Welcome everyone to another of our podcasts centred around the theme of everyday faith in the Diocese of Chester. My name is Mike Gilbertson, the Archdeacon of Chester, and uh, for this podcast we're thinking about uh, issues around prayer and how churches and congregations have reacted to the extraordinary few months that we've lived through in the pandemic and how people have had to think outside the box a little bit um, in terms of their prayer lives and how their prayers are relevant and uh, connect with their local communities. And to talk with me today um, is Emily Allen, our church buildings missioner, who's been thinking quite a lot about prayer recently, haven't you, Emily, in the context of your work. Would you like to share a little bit about the, the things that you've been doing? The Houses of Prayer initiative have been going for a couple of years now and we're appreciatively inquiring about the use of uh, church buildings in their foundational role as prayer. Um, of course this year has been very different so the group has uh, still continued but we've been thinking more creatively about prayer outside church buildings. Thank you and do you want to say a little bit about your work on building for God's kingdom as well which is an, another mammoth project that you've been involved with? Last year I took some time uh, amongst uh, supporting parishes to do some research on church buildings and thinking theologically where they fit within the ministry and mission. And one of the uh, real joys of, of doing that was looking at the book of Acts. What was going on in the early church and what does that say about places and spaces used for mission and ministry? And it seemed to be from that that three key areas emerged. There were the places of worship, then at temple and synagogue, there was the community spaces, both the marketplaces where people naturally gather, but also those wilderness places where people are struggling and there's encounters on that journey. Um, and the third being um, homes and the use of private homes for prayer. Mm. And I've been reflecting on that, uh, particularly this year, because the places of worship have largely been closed, um, although we did begin to open for individual prayer yep, first. Indeed. Yep. And uh, it's been really interesting to look at, perhaps is this time to create a better balance of the places and spaces we use to be a witness to Christ and to build up the body of Christ? Well, that's some, some fascinating themes there. And we're, we're going to reflect on those together um, with the help of some people from around the diocese that we're going to hear from now in, the, in, in this podcast and how they have been navigating these last few months um, in terms of prayer, not, not only in the church building, but out on the streets and enabling people to pray in their homes and so on. We're going to start with uh, Louise Anison from uh, the parish of Holy Trinity Blaken, which is um, an estate parish on the edge of Chester. Uh, when lockdown began, Louise was looking at the streets on the parish prayer rotor and because the only thing that they were allowed to do at that point was to go out for daily exercise, I'm sure we can remember that part of lockdown. Well, Louise and her training incumbent, Tina Upton, decided that they'd go and walk the streets on the prayer list and drop off chocolates with a card saying that God loved people, just to bring some hope at what was a pretty frightening and dispiriting period of time. Uh, here's a, a first clip of Louise explaining what they did. It's very simple. It taps into what people think the church is about. And it just says, if you need prayer, contact this number. And in all fairness, nobody has. But that wasn't the point of the exercise. The point of the exercise was to say to people, 
we're thinking about you that we will pray before we go and drop the chocolates off we pray as we're walking around we pray for each house we pray for each family we pray for whatever god shows us needs to happen in that place and whenever you went out there would always be somebody who would say what are you doing oh that's a really nice idea um and there was some stuff on facebook where there were a group of people going oh i've got a kit kat and i've got a, a blue ribbon and isn't it nice that holy trinity have done this given the opportunity people actually like to ask questions about god and they like to see that there is a presence they might not believe in god for themselves but they believe in your belief in god and sometimes we just have the odd really lovely conversation with people who are just delighted that somebody cares about them well what was the impact uh, it seems that the the simple act of praying for the local community and just dropping off chocolates did sometimes open up conversations that louise wouldn't otherwise have had um, here she is telling us about one of the memorable conversations that she had with a, a resident returning home with a paper one Sunday morning. Oh, a chap who I met in the street who was just coming back from getting his paper. And he asked us what we were doing and I told him and I handed him over, I don't know, Kit Kat or whatever it was. And then we had this whole conversation about how he's furloughed from his job. He's not really sure what he's doing. And then that it turns out that in the last week, he's already decided he's going to go and volunteer at Holy Trinity's food programme because we were doing a lot of giving out food parcels at the time. And it kind of felt like God was in that conversation for that guy, affirming that he was just trying to do something constructive with his time, that to be met by somebody from Holy Trinity where he was going to go and volunteer and he was a bit nervous about doing it felt positive. And I think there's a lot to be said for people seeing that the church is something positive. God works away. That whole um, God is yeast and God is salt and God is working away subversively in the background of this guy's life who wouldn't have professed any sort of Christian faith, but for whom something about what God was doing in the area that he lived was appealing enough for him to want to go and join in. And isn't that great if as the church, people who don't recognise God want to come and join in and through that might get to see a little bit of what he's like. Well, that's really encouraging. And Louise continues to go and uh, out onto the streets offering prayer and chocolates to local residents. But uh, Louise is refreshingly honest about this as well and, and says that sometimes the reality is that she walks around on a Sunday and barely speaks to anyone. But for Louise, just getting out of the church building is what's important to her and reflects uh, here on her theology and her experience of becoming a Christian and how that relates to what she's been doing as she's walked the streets of Blaken. I did it on Sunday and I had three conversations which consisted of, hello, nice to see you, and somebody noticed somebody with a collar and some chocolate but didn't ask any questions. Oh, and one woman who crossed the road so they didn't have to walk past me. I'm hoping that was COVID related, not personal. You know, so it's not all great high moments. And I can honestly say that between us, we have not had one person pray the prayer of commitment because I don't think that's how it works. I honestly think that for most people, faith is a process. So my own experience is I wasn't a Christian for 35 years of my life and wouldn't have ever walked into a church and wanted to become one. So God had to come out and find me because I certainly wasn't going looking for him. And I think... I represent most of the population, frankly. So I have a theology that God is at work all of the time in all of the world everywhere. You know, he's not limited to the church. And really that our job is to join in with whatever he is doing. But sometimes that, that does require us to actually step out of the little bubbles that we encapsulate in ourselves. So probably the only useful thing that came out of those chocolates might well just have been that it's meant that I have walked most of the streets of the parish this year. 
And perhaps I wouldn't have done. Perhaps I'd have stuck to the ones around the church. Perhaps there are places that I've been to that I and people I have spoken to who I never would have met if we hadn't done this one small thing of stepping outside of the building and making what we do visible. So it's that. It's it's God takes God is at work, but if we hide ourselves away, how will we ever spot what He's doing? Well, that was uh, Louise Anison uh, from the streets of Holy Trinity, Blaken, and I'm here reflecting on these examples from around the diocese with Emily Allen, who's our church buildings missioner. Emily, it was really interesting listening to what Louise was up to and how she'd noticed God being at work in in people's lives. Even if sometimes it it was not completely spectacular, it seemed to be a kind of slow-burning thing sometimes, but with a conviction that God was being at work. And it said something to me, I think, about the that, that church is somewhere where Christians gather but at the same time, it's, it's a place that we are sent out from. So we're sent out um, onto the streets, into our uh, homes, into our workplaces, um, to share the love of God with others, which is exactly what Louise has been doing. There's something about the, the way Louise captured the embodying of God's love. Mm. And actually, people can sense that. They can sense there's something different. And that uh, draws people to, to, to God in, in different ways. Mm. And, and, and firstly, it can be that connecting with um, a social issue within the community like here. Yeah. And the, the willingness to, to want to be part of something because there's a sense that this is a good place, mm. even if perhaps it's not quite known that the source of that. Mm. And it's interesting is that the way that I suppose over the last few months when people often and have missed being able to be in church buildings and that's not only been regular congregations it's been the local community as well have have sometimes asked, why is the church closed i want to be in there there's something about that space uh, that they want to be in in order to pray and, and churches that have opened up for private prayer have found that but what louise is saying is that actually you don't necessarily need to be in the building you can be you can be praying anywhere and one of the things that that struck me was how she was really sure all the time that God was at work uh, wherever she was and wherever these other people were that she was meeting. It was it was very powerful in, in seeing the, the hand of God mm. um, and responding to that, of wanting to join in with what's already happening, that God's yeah. already doing in people's lives. Yeah. And I really related to, uh, to Louise uh, becoming a Christian later on in life. Uh, I myself became a Christian at 29. Right. So I, um, I know what it is, the uh, trepidation of uh, going into a church building and actually that attending a church service wasn't the main way I became a Christian. Mm. It was all about individual relationships and mm. the connections and those conversations that you can have um, here for Louise on, on the streets surrounding um, the, the church. But that individual care of God knowing each person and seeking to, to bring each person home. I think that's, that spoke to me mm. a lot. That's great. And, and who knows what he's got in store for the people that Louise has been meeting on the streets and continues to. We're going to move up the Wirral now to Eastham Parish, um, St Mary's Eastham, and to hear from Beth Glover. And some of what Beth has done in terms of encouraging people to pray during these last few months of the pandemic. Beth decided that she was going to write a prayer every day and she's been doing this since March and is continuing to share prayer today online. The prayers are published on the parish Facebook page by a member of her team at nine o'clock every morning 
and we're going to give you the link if you want to uh, discover these for yourself. And one of the reasons that she did this, and she'll explain this in a minute, is that the prayers that she found being offered by the Church of England on the website weren't quite hitting the mark sometimes. But I decided to write a prayer every day or produce a prayer every day, went onto the Church of England website, and it really wasn't, it was too formal. Um, some of the words were words that people wouldn't understand that we only use. And so I decided to write my own. Um, and they got more and more um, me, really, and, and, and less and less about um, the situation. So I could start a prayer by saying, I've had enough of this, Lord. I just can't bear it anymore. I don't have the, any of the answers. I'm confused. I, I'm anxious. I just need a lot more of your peace. Um, and I started it, it like that. And then I thought, well, actually, I'll put a sentence of scripture in to, to just back it up. And that would make it more rounded. It still didn't feel complete. And it still was missing something a bit otherworldly. So I went out in the garden and started to take pictures. And throughout April, May and June, my Facebook prayers have been added to by pictures of my garden throughout the seasons. I'm now doing winter shots now as I go out with my camera. Um, and that's how it all started. It was, it was to try to balance me out, um, but something beautiful has come out of it. So Beth was also sharing that the prayers that she wrote were sometimes very raw and emotional prayers and uh, disseminating those via Facebook was, was difficult for her at first. And she says that that type of prayer she feels to be rather unusual, not expected, but that over time things got a bit easier. She found it easier to express herself and ultimately they've been very well received by people. To start your prayers like that um, is unusual and it's not what's expected. But then I don't usually pray using words anyway. I like to sit in silence and let God do his work. Um, that's just because I'm a contemplative. But um if I am going to pray and I am sitting down, it's usually emotional. You know, I've had enough of that. Or what did you think about that? Or where were you? Where, where were you when I needed you? And it's that kind of real prayer that, that I thought I just would put into paper. It's got easier as, as I've gone on, I have to say. Uh, but it, the, it was uncomfortable because like all things that we're, we're trying um, these days, we don't know who we're talking to. One of the most beautiful things about sharing things digitally is that it's inclusive, completely and utterly inclusive. We don't know who's listening to us or what their situations are. And, and that's part of that is, is the reality of that. And it's completely bemused me. It's taken me, it's taken me completely by surprise, the fact that, that nowadays people can have this, this prayer that are being prayed in their houses, in their homes, where prayer was mainly for in church or perhaps for committed Christians in the home. But now people all over the place are, are having these prayers said within their homes. And I truly believe that when prayer and scripture are read in a home, for any reason or any motive, it gives the Holy Spirit a chance to break down and soften and sow some seeds. Beth also went on to reflect a bit on the culture of the Church of England and particularly she's come to think that sometimes the culture of the church can at times be a barrier to people perhaps using long and unusual words in what we're trying to say that people don't necessarily relate to and uh, we've needed to find uh, more accessible ways of enabling people to join in with our praying life and here's, here's Beth reflecting a bit on that. One in four people now cannot read or write properly. 
So the, even reading the prayers is, isn't, is difficult. Or putting them up on the screen is difficult. And if we can get over that bridge and say, you just have to be real with God and you can be as angry as you can with God because he's big enough to accept all of that and to just be real and have that outpouring of your real self to him, that, that is the most beautiful prayer and gift you can offer him, I think. So the reality of those words will break through. But yes, the church has got to take this into consideration. And I've said to all my people who are preaching in church that if they don't feel comfortable not knowing who they're preaching to was before they could see the people who were preaching to. It's a different thing when you're talking to people, you know, 250, 300 every Sunday that you don't know who they are. It's a different way of thinking, get out of the church mode, get out of the jargon mode uh, and and if we can make our prayers do that at home, it's much easier to do it when we're with other people, I think. Beth's also been reflecting on the future and uh, whether there's a risk that uh, once we get out of COVID and perhaps back to something more approaching normality, then our default might be, let's just put all the pieces back how they were before and let's get, get back to uh, rewinding the clock back a couple of years or something. Um, and uh, Beth is determined to learn the lessons that we've learned over the last few months together. She says that her parish won't be the same again. And uh, listen to her now talking about uh, the future and how they're going to work together at embedding the lessons that they've learned over the last few months. Going back to how it, how it was, it horrifies me. Absolutely horrible. We've got a God-given chance, a spirit-given chance to change things, to make um, those bridges into people's homes and lives that we never had before. We lose that at our peril. Um, God didn't cause this or create any of it, but what he did do is ask us to make the most of what we've had to do. We in Eastern will never be the same again. I will restructure the church from the new year to make sure that this doesn't happen. And those Facebook prayers have focused me onto that completely. One of the most uh, uh, vivid phrases that I've heard uh, several times over the last few months is never waste a crisis. And um, there are things that we need to learn, aren't there, from uh, the last few months and perhaps um, things that we've been doing differently that we want to keep and just not simply go back to how we were doing things before. Um, Emily, I, I wonder whether you, you, you'd like to reflect a bit on, on what the last few months and the, perhaps the difficulties of, of accessing our church buildings and so on, um, what, what, that, what that might mean for us in the future in terms of, uh, of the, the different role, different ways of seeing our, our sacred spaces, our church buildings in the future, perhaps d different ways from how we might have seen it before. I think it's caused um, to look afresh at what sacred space is. And there's something about the sanctity of the home that's really come across with, uh, with Beth talking, that this is a place where prayers are spoken within the home through connecting through, through Facebook mm. and the honesty of those prayers. Mm. But they were very real, weren't they? Yes, yeah. It was yeah. like a modern day psalm. It was, I thought that as well, yeah. yeah. A real cry yeah. of the heart. Yeah. And, uh, and that's what, what God's looking for, is that honesty of heart to say how things really are and how we're really feeling and thinking. Um, and only then can, can the God of truth come in when we're in a place where we're acknowledging the truth of how mm. things really are. Mm. It's encouraging in a way to hear prayers which are, are not glossing over the difficulties but are actually honest and real and, and that enables people to, to join in. And just before we move on from Beth Glover and her daily prayers, if you want to follow 
um, uh, Beth's daily prayers, uh, what you need to do is just to type the hashtag um, St. Mary's Eastern Daily Prayer into Facebook and that'll take you to the text of the daily prayers that Beth is writing. Uh, so I hope those are helpful for you as we continue to navigate this very strange time together. Now I'm going to take a trip south from the Wirral um, down to the town of Crewe and we're going to meet two people from Crewe, Oliver and Marta, um, from St Andrew's All Saints and St Peter's in the centre of Crewe. And before lockdown, uh, some of the churches uh, in the town were offering morning prayer. But during lockdown, the church started to offer live daily morning and evening prayer, which was live streamed via Facebook. And because they offered the prayers uh, live on Facebook, uh, Oliver says that the prayer became collaborative between the person leading the prayers and those watching it on Facebook. And they were able to incorporate individual prayer requests. And this enabled them to respond to local changes in the community and offer targeted support as well. So here is uh, Oliver Igwe, the vicar, talking about what they've done. The point is that it's life, it's delivered life. It's not a pre-recorded um, prayer session. It's delivered life at that time and it happens every day. And because um, it happens every day, we incorporate things um, as they develop within the communities. And so we, we, we can have added prayer requests um, on, on a daily basis when we notice um, changing things that are happening. And it has been a lot of support to our members. So that's um, one of the creative ways. It's not just um, saying the preset prayer, but also being able to do some exemplar writing um, a prayer that reflects the situations at that particular time. I mean, if something happened today, it means that I will add it to my prayer list this evening and give some words of support to those who are joining in the prayers. Some of the prayer requests that they've received um, have focused on key workers uh, and some on those who've been suffering from anxiety and sadly also some who've been at risk of, of losing their jobs. So they've been really relevant to issues in the local community. Here's Oliver speaking a little more about the prayer requests that they received. For those who have various forms of anxiety and uncertainties around their lives, um, praying for job um, those who lost their jobs that they will not really panic but um, have some comfort and also um, look forward to a brighter future and we we've been praying also for people who have been bereaved and those whose um, bereavement uh, have a link with the pandemic uh, because there have been people whose bereavement have a link with the pandemic so we have prayed for those kind of things. And then generally also we, we pray for the communities and different things that people do. The, um, the NHS, um, those who work in shops, the other key workers like those who do the bus services, um, those who work in schools, um, those who work in care homes and other places. So those have been our focus. And um, especially I've made particular focus on those whose um, jobs bring them in contact with people, direct contact with people, because there are people 
who might who might think they are not key workers, but actually their job day by day bring them in, in, in direct contact with people. So we pray for them because um they they can't really know what will happen the next time, but we pray that they get the right support as they do their work. So what's been the impact on those in the wider church community who've been uh, joining in with these prayers? Uh, one of those people is Marta Jones. She's been the church warden at St Andrew's Crew for more than seven years now. And she says that the traditional evening prayer has been so comforting to her and her husband. And although the Church of England uh, nationally already offers set prayers via social media, Marta said that the fact that she could see a familiar face delivering the prayers was very important to her. No, it's really good to see familiar people leading the prayers because we not only have Oliver and Catherine, who's our curate, and Hazel, who's our associate priest, we have a lot of people across the three churches who lead the prayers. You know, I could name people from across the three churches. I think that adds to the enrichment of the experience. And it's good to see familiar faces on, on screen. I think it's important that it's uh, our churches that are providing this. During these hard times, it's been a point of stability every day. Um, my, my husband and I used to do the evening prayers every single day during the first lockdown, um, but we haven't so much recently. But I do tend to look um, just before bedtime at night, and I think that's one of the beauties of the online broadcasts, that you don't have to watch it at the time it's broadcast. You can access it any time. Um, I think that's a really good point. Um and also the comments which people make, it makes you feel part of a, of a community. And again, you can join in with that anytime. You can uh, make your own comment or read other people's comments at any time. Now, as well as the prayers serving the immediate church community, people like Marta, they've also been a comfort to those who aren't regular churchgoers, um, including uh, the, the congregation's friends and also a local funeral director who explained to Oliver that he'd been following the prayers and that they'd been a real comfort to him. Here's Oliver telling us that story. One of the people that do not come to our church who have been part of this is um, one of the funeral directors. Um, one of the days I, I saw his comments um, there tell, tell, saying thank you to me. And then during another funeral, which where I was taking a funeral for, for his company, he told me that um, um, he that he has been following our prayers online, though he doesn't come to our church. That uh, it has been a comfort to him during this pandemic. So um, somehow, I mean, hearing someone who is not within your community saying that um, is quite, um, um, I mean, makes you feel that um, what you are doing is is worth it. That there are people who are benefiting from it. So. Based on this, I think it is something we will consider continuing um, after the pandemic. And meanwhile, Christmas hasn't been cancelled in Crewe. Uh, it's going to continue online, including a Zoom Christingle service on the 24th of December and also a live streamed Midnight Mass. And there'll be a virtual Christmas carol service as well. And Oliver's family, who are very talented musically, have uh, recorded a Nigerian Christmas carol for that. 
we, we spoke earlier about the church thinking outside the box and not simply going back to what we did before and obviously they've embraced the online world of, of sharing prayer and someone with a vengeance in crew it's great it is very inspiring to hear and seeing the impact of that uh, both within the church community but actually thinking about the range of contacts churches have mm. and one of the, the frequent um, people that, that come to church buildings um, connections are funeral directors and and they themselves need a tremendous amount of prayer and support and they themselves may be seeking as well so it was really encouraging to to hear that through a digital platform that invitation to join in with prayer has extended yeah yeah and and i was also particularly struck by the way that they were quite quite light on their feet in terms of really working out what the specific needs were in the local community and tailoring the daily prayer um, to focus on on the the, the needs of, of 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 people in the parish um people who were suffering from anxiety or um, at risk of losing their jobs and so on and and so using the prayer requests that were coming in from the community they were able to make prayer really relevant and meaningful for the people who were watching it was very dynamic that live aspect mm. to to daily prayer and being responsive yeah. yeah is there anything more that you would like to say emily about your your work as church buildings missioner how how you found it over the last few months and, and perhaps what we've learned from from these these three examples from across the diocese about the the value and the power of prayer inside or outside the church building? I think during this time, there's been a real focus on um, a personal a personal and a collective um, relationship with God, that as we um, take ownership for our own growth, our own growth in God, um, and develop holy habits of prayer, the morning prayers, the evening prayers, uh, more responsive prayers as they come in, and it's almost like going back to basics, in essence, when things are stripped away. Ultimately, it's about relationships. And what's come across, I think, all the stories is, although we haven't been able to physically gather, um, or certainly not as we, we have done before, the power of relationships and the different ways of connecting has been absolutely crucial to a church um, maintaining its, um, its support and its identity as, as God's family and extending that presence into the community. One of the encouraging things about listening to those examples, um, Emily, I think was, was, was just the invitation to join in with the life of prayer of the whole church. Um, and of course, praying intentionally for others or in inviting others to say what they would like us to pray about, praying together, praying individually, um, is not something which requires any special training or a dog collar. It's it's something that the whole people of God can get involved in. And so uh, as we've been thinking about everyday faith over the last few months with this and other podcasts, uh, hopefully it's been an encouragement to everyone to think about their own Christian discipleship in whatever context they're living and working, thinking, how can my prayer um, be a part of who I am each day intentionally for Jesus Christ in the context in which I found myself. Uh, I don't know, Emily, whether you'd like, like to reflect on any of that as well from your point of view. I think there's some great opportunities as we're speaking to a range of people, whether that's on the streets, um, as in the, um, Louise and Blaken, in the supermarket queues, in the people that we know, um, as well as the strangers 
to um, to be a little bit bolder and braver perhaps with um, offering uh, the gift of prayer and to ask somebody would you like me to pray for you and it's something that we can all offer um, within the church but it makes a tremendous difference and we've been hearing the stories of those connections whether friends or strangers uh, so it's something to to think about maybe God is um, nudging us to to offer the gift mm. of prayer um, both within the church family but being a little bolder and braver to to offer that to others that we know thank you uh, it's been really good to to, to talk with you about these uh, all these wonderful things that are happening across the diocese encouraging realistic as well and to hear about the enduring power of prayer and uh, to keep in touch with with crew and with Easton and with Blaken um, over the months to come and see what God has in store for all of us so thank you Emily for this conversation and uh, thank you also to Oliver and Marta to Louise and Beth and uh, I hope that has been an encouragement um, for everyone listening into this podcast. Uh, we can only play ourselves out in one way, and here are the Igwe family um, from Crew with their Nigerian Christmas Carol. Jesus, Eba moro ya ekele dere chineke Amoro ya Amoro ya no la no Amoro ya Amoro ya no la no Amoro ya Amoro ya no la no no la no mano Amoroya, 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 no la no, Amoroya, Amoroya, no la no, Amoroya, Amoroya, no la no, no la no mano.